Welcome to the 165th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a brief overview of Patrick's weekend predictions and our weekly look at Major League Baseball. So let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. And during the summertime, all the predictions are in Major League Baseball, all of them weekend series predictions. And this week, Patrick went 3-1 and one in those weekend series predictions. That brings him to a 442 and 310 overall record, a 58.8% winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts and your weekend predictions. The Rays took 2 of 3 from the Orioles. That was my only loss of the week. I'm mentioning this series now because it actually had some pretty large implications on the whole season. Uh, but we'll get to those later. I'm not going to do that quite yet because it's very important for, I'll just say the wild card race, probably not in the division, but for the Yankees being in first place. But it probably can play a role in how the wild card turns out. So uh, we'll leave the significance of that till later. But it was a very important series. Uh, the Rays and the Orioles were tied through the through the second game of the series. Actually, every series this weekend that I predicted was 1-1 one to one going into the Sunday games. Uh, obviously, I ended up getting three of them correct. It's actually interesting because the Orioles won the first game of the series, but then lost the last two, and uh, Drew Rasmussen took a perfect game into the ninth inning, uh, but then Jorge Mateo hit a double to break that up to lead off the inning. Uh, it was going to be the first perfect game in 10 years, actually literally to the day today, uh, since Felix Hernandez's no-hit or perfect game on August 15th, 2012, but... Unfortunately for, well, unfortunately for the Rays, fortunately for the Orioles, there was no perfect game on Sunday, uh, but the Rays were not able to win that game. They still lost 4-1, to one, and as a result, they also lost the season series to the Rays, which that is the part that has the significance, but I'll get into that later. Uh, moving on to the other series, more series that were important in terms of the wild card. The Guardians took two of three from the Blue Jays on the road. Uh, a very good result for the Guardians, something they desperately needed. I, I mean, maybe not desperately, but, you know, you always want to have good results against teams that you're in competition with directly for a playoff spot. At this point, though, the Guardians are in the lead in their division, as we'll see uh, when we move on to the AL Central. So I guess it's not actually as important as it once might have been. Uh, but still, in case they don't win the division, in case the Twins get hot or the White Sox get hot at the end of the year, they would definitely like to have that head-to-head advantage over the Blue Jays overall and also have a few wins so that the Blue Jays are farther down in the first place. Uh, but yeah, the Guardians took two of three on the road. It was a good series for them. Uh, Ahmed Rosario was really good in this series. The Blue Jays pitching was uh, iffy, and overall they haven't been too good recently. That's why I picked against them. They were looking rough heading into the series, so I picked against them because I just really didn't trust how they were playing, whereas the Guardians were playing pretty solid coming into the series. I think they had already been on a, a little bit of a win streak, so I stuck with that pick, and I was right. I normally wouldn't pick against the Blue Jays at home against really most teams, but the circumstances of this week with these two teams, I think, were the right ones for me to pick against them. Uh, the Cardinals took two of three from the Brewers in another one that was really important for the playoffs overall, and look, I know it sounds like it's crazy to be talking about it, but... The playoffs start, I mean, they, they don't start next month. Normally they would. But they start at the beginning of October. We're halfway through August at this point. So the playoffs are probably closer uh, than you think. I think the Yankees and the Dodgers are maybe a month away from clinching their divisions. Maybe even less for the Dodgers with the way they're playing right now. Uh, but it's, it's the time of year that we start getting into magic numbers and division clinching scenarios. 
Uh, so got to talk about this series for sure. The Cardinals taking two or three from the Brewers. Really behind Albert Pujols as the main catalyst. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado were important in this series too, and especially in the Cardinals game one victory. Uh, but Albert Pujols had a two home run game in the Sunday uh, series finale. And one of the home runs was to tie the game, I think, at one, or, or maybe to come back from 2-0 to 2-1. And the last home run of the game that he had was the was a very, very important one because they were only up 3-2. to two. The Cardinals had just taken the lead on a Dylan Carlson home run, and Albert Pujols had a three-run home run to extend that lead to 6-2 to two and pretty much put the game away for the Cardinals, who are now leading that division. And uh, in terms of who they're playing this week, it looks like the Cardinals are going to continue to have that advantage. Uh, in the NL East, the Mets took two of three from the Phillies. I will get to this more in a second, but they've now taken the first 16 series of the year against divisional opponents. It's just a crazy statistic about a really good team that looks like they're probably not going to choke the lead this year, although, you know, the narrative is always that you never know with the Mets. But I, I think I'm feeling pretty good about this team, although I might have just jinxed it by saying that. Uh, but... Taking two of three from the Phillies, they lost the first game. There weren't really many runs scored in the whole series. It threw through the 23rd inning of the series after the Mets had even scored a run in the first inning of the Sunday game. There were five runs scored total. The first game was one to was two to one uh, in extra innings. Another game was one to nothing, and then it was one to nothing in that game at the time. So pretty much nothing scored uh, for either team. But again, the Mets actually eventually won that game. I think six to nothing or six to one. So they did end up scoring a lot on Sunday, but. Uh, they'll look to continue that momentum during the week, but that is how that series ended. All right. Well, Patrick's predictions for next weekend will be posted on our website on Thursday. Let's now move from Major League Baseball predictions to our weekly look at Major League Baseball, starting, as always, in the American League East. The Yankees, of course, still leading this division with a record of 72-43. and 43. They are 10 games up on the Blue Jays, so yes, that lead has decreased slightly, although probably should have decreased a little bit more considering... Uh, how poor the Yankees have been recently. They are 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Uh, the Rays are only 11 games back in this race now. The Orioles are 12 and a half games back. It's a very tight clump there. And then the Red Sox are 15 and a half games back. Red Sox at 57 and 59. The Orioles at 59 and 55. The Rays at 60 and 53. And the Blue Jays at 61 and 52. Uh, the bottom of this division playing the best in the last 10 games, though, as the Red Sox, although they're only 4-6 and six in their last 10, that's actually the middle-of-the-pack number if you were to do the divisional standings only by the last 10 games in this division because, as a matter of fact, the Yankees are 2-8 and eight in their last 10. The Blue Jays are 3-7, and seven, uh, so they probably could have made up a lot of ground on the Yankees. They could be at an 8- or a 7-game deficit, but instead it's still 10. Meanwhile... The Rays, they are 6-4 and four in their last 10, and the Orioles are 6-4 and four in their last 10. So, some solid teams towards the bottom of the division, whereas the top teams, not so much. Uh, but overall, you're still looking at the Yankees with a big lead, and you have the Blue Jays in second, the Rays in third, the Orioles in fourth, and then the Red Sox in fifth. I think the only team you didn't expect to be in the position they are now is Baltimore, where a lot of people probably had Boston fourth or third, but I think most people had... Well, I guess a lot of people had the Blue Jays, and myself included, in first going into the year, and maybe the Yankees in second or third, uh, and then the Rays second or third themselves. But I think this division is pretty much turning out how I would expect, except for the big uh, issues from the Red Sox. Something of note that 
The Toronto Blue Jays are three and seven in their last ten. However, they're fifteen and ten since Charlie Montoya was fired, despite that record in the last ten, which is a six hundred winning percentage. Whereas they were forty six and forty two before he got fired, which is a five twenty three winning percentage. I mention all this because I feel like we've well. For most teams, we've gotten a large sample size of uh, their performances since their managers were fired. It was actually sparked for me to put this in the podcast because of Chris Woodward getting fired as the Rangers manager this morning. Obviously, there's no sample size to see how they've done uh, since then, but that made me think of the other ones, and I realized that we've been a few months away, so now we can actually kind of judge what's happened with those teams The Blue Jays, I would say, it's still a little too early to decide because he had 98 or 88 games of the season, so he had more than half the season with him, whereas they've only had 25 games without him. Uh, But for some of the other teams, especially the Angels and the Phillies, the other two to fire their managers midseason, there is definitely uh, a place to, there's definitely enough games to evaluate their place with their new managers as opposed to with their old managers. All right, well, let's uh, move over to the Central. This division, a quiet division, both at the trade deadline and also in terms of managers being fired. Uh, But the Guardians, now in first place, also kind of a quiet division in terms of teams at the top, because none of these teams are, uh, I I mean, not to be rude, but none of these teams are contending at all for the World Series, I would say. They're kind of all wildcard teams, and yet there has to be someone in the lead. Uh, So the Guardians in the lead, they're 7-3 in their last 10 uh, they've only won one in a row, but they're playing the Tigers in their next series, who they were playing well against as of last week. Uh, the Tigers are also, have they've lost seven in a row, which I'll get to later. Uh, the Guardians obviously eclipsing the Twins, who have been leading this division for most of the year. Uh, but the Twins now two and a half games back of the Guardians. They are four and six in their last ten. They lost the last two uh, against the Angels. They lost four of five to the Dodgers and Angels this week. Uh, So a rough trip to L.A. for the Twins. Uh, They got swept in the two-game series by the Dodgers, and then they bounced back to take one from the Angels but lost the next two. Um, And as a result, they lost the possession of that division lead. And also, Chicago swept the Tigers to close the gap between them and the Twins. Unfortunately, the Twins aren't in the division lead anymore, so the White Sox are still in third place, just like they were last week. But they are a little bit closer to first, and they are, I guess, tied for second, so... They can, I guess, be happy about that for now. They've won three in a row. They're six and four in their last ten, but they're also playing the Astros right now in a rematch of last year's ALDS, so that'll be a tough series for them, but uh, we'll see what happens there. The Royals, after ending the Dodgers' 12-game winning streak, are in fourth place in this division, which means that, yes, the Tigers, 19 games back of first place, five back of the Royals now, for even fourth place in this division. They're 43 and 73. They've lost seven in a row. They are one and nine in their last 10 compared to the Royals, six and four in their last 10. And, uh, well, their chances are dwindling. I don't think they really have any chances left. They might be one of the first teams eliminated from playoff contention. Um, if you want to talk about the Royals for a little bit, Vinny Pasquantino, their rookie, maybe even a rookie of the year candidate, a breakout candidate for sure, because. Bobby Witt Jr. was obviously the big-name prospect that they had called up this season. Uh, I think ranked by some as the number one overall prospect, at least top three by most people. And uh, Vinny Pasquantino is the one who has won AL Player of the Week this week, even over a pretty good week from Aaron Judge and, you know, obviously some other players too. Uh, But yeah, Vinny Pasquantino and Manny Machado are your Players of the Week after, I guess, kind of a weird week, you could say. 
But uh, Vinny's been playing well all season. Definitely surprised this year. Um, so pretty interesting for the Royals, but, you know, obviously still not really close to leading this division, still at 48 and 68 on the year. Okay, let's move over to the American League West. The Astros, of course, still in the lead in the AL West. They are 75 and 41. They're 7 and 3 in their last 10. They've won four in a row. Uh, they have a plus 141 run differential this season, and they also have a 13-game lead over the second-place Mariners. Uh, the Mariners, though, sitting okay in the wild-card race. They're 62-54. and 54. We'll get to their exact position in the wild-card race later. Uh, but after losing two in a row this weekend to the Rangers, uh, just 5-5 five and five in their last 10, and uh, they're not as comfortable as they once were in that division. Speaking of the Rangers... They're 51-63, and 63. they're 23 games back, and despite being a pretty middling 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games and, you know, winning a weekend series against the Mariners, uh, they fired Chris Woodward, so uh, I don't know. I don't really know what that was about. I thought they were actually getting better this year. Maybe they just thought of him more as a, uh, I don't know, player development type of a manager who was kind of focused on getting guys better, and now they actually feel like it's their window um, and maybe that's the reason why I don't really know, but I did say, I, I mean, I've, I've said it the whole year that they should be happy with how they've performed so far this year and just let everything carry into next year and just get better. Maybe make a few other signings. I mean, we know that their front office is willing to give out money because of what they did with the Marcus Simeon and the Corey Seager deals. You'd think maybe get some more front end starting pitching and get some more help in the bullpen maybe, and then just leave it at that. But well, I mean, we'll have to see what happens with them. I don't really know why the managerial change. Speaking of managerial changes, despite the fact that the Angels made a managerial change in the middle of the year, they are 51-64. and 64. They're 23 and a half games back. They have been good recently, though. They've won two in a row. Obviously, those against the Twins, as I mentioned. Uh, they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. Uh, and if you want to talk about that change, well... They are 24 and 35 since Joe Madden was fired, and they were 27 and 29 with him. So, despite playing more games, they've still won less games. So, uh, that one didn't really work out because they were 27 and 29, and that was after they had lost 13 games in a row. So, uh, assuming they had just a decent week after the losing streak, he probably would have ended the year with a winning record with them, uh, even if they had waited two weeks to fire them. Um, but since he's been fired, their winning percentage has dropped by, well, I, I guess the overall winning percentage has dropped by about 40 points, but the overall, uh, but the comparison is 482 to 408. So not, not a good decision in terms of that, uh, firing. I mean, obviously part of that is since the trade deadline, they kind of lost a bunch of players, but it's also weird because they're seven and three in their last 10 games, which is mostly since the trade deadline, if not all since the trade deadline, so they got worse players, but they're playing better. And they fired their manager, but they've been playing worse without the new manager. But apparently, I guess what you have to do is get rid of your manager and get rid of all your players that were actually playing well. And then you start playing well. So I look, I don't know what's going on with this team. I think it's just the Angels being the Angels. They're just weird all the time. Uh, speaking of a team that's actually not weird, the A's, they're just bad. They're 41-74. and 74. They're 33 and a half games back. They've lost eight in a row. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10, which means... At some point, they had won two in a row, which is a little bit good for them. Uh, but this team's not doing anything. They, I think that's pretty simple, although they still haven't fired their manager. I don't know why. I mean, maybe he's not been there for that long. I guess he hasn't been because Bob Melvin was hired by the Padres this year. So I guess they've only had a manager for half a season, probably too short to fire him. 
going back to the Rangers, though, speaking of that whole manager thing, he had four... They, they don't have a winning record with him, even though they've had him for four seasons. So maybe it's just the built-up frustration that they feel like they've built teams that are at least decent and they've never gotten above a winning record. And they probably feel like with the stretches that they've had at certain points this year, they could be a lot closer to 500 than they are. And they're just still 12 games under. So maybe they're just kind of disappointed with that. I kind of get the rationale, but I would just be, I would just say that I would just keep everything how it was based on how they've been playing at the beginning of this year. And or at the for most of this year with the talent they have, get better talent-wise, and then figure out roster and coaching later, or wait until the end of the season, too, when you see if he can get any better. And by the way, if he doesn't get any better this season, if he's kind of just average for the rest of the season, you can just do what the Blue Jays did or the Phillies did or the Angels did. When you start off next year poor after you spend your money, then you go and fire him. It's just they're not good enough to be firing managers, in my opinion, but I kind of see the rationale. Yeah. All right. Well, you want to take a look at the wild card race in the American League? Yes, we will move on to that. Uh, as I mentioned, the Mariners uh, hold on their spot. Not too, not too good right now. They are only a half game up on the Rays for the third wild card spot. Uh, the Blue Jays are currently in first of the wild card. Uh, only a full game up on the Rays, though, so it's getting closer. Um, and the Orioles are now one and a half games back of the Rays for that spot. The Twins are two back, and the White Sox are two back. This is the first time in a while that one of the AL Central teams is closer to the wild card than they are to the divisional lead. Uh, but it's still only half a game difference, so it's pretty much just as easy to get in as a divisional leader or as a wild card in that uh, in the AL. Then you have the Red Sox, who are four and a half games back of the wild card. Although you know they did just finish a series win over the Yankees at Fenway, so they got to have some momentum carrying forward. But that division is tough. They're clearly the worst team in the division, and they're not even that bad. Uh, so you know the more they are going to play those teams like the Orioles, like the Rays like the Blue Jays and obviously the Yankees who are fighting for playoff spots and in the Yankees position, seeding and continuing to dominate this division, it's going to get tougher for them as they keep playing divisional opponents. So I don't know if their record's going to get better or get worse when they start playing that competition more. Uh, But this race got a lot tighter this week. The Guardians took two of three from Toronto, so that secured that division lead, but also reduced Toronto's lead over the third wildcard spot. The Mariners lost two in a row, which made Tampa Bay catch up to them. And the most important thing that I mentioned earlier... The Rays and Orioles won't play each other for the rest of the regular season. Their season series ends up with a 10-9 advantage in the Rays' favor. The reason why this is important is because in case of a tie this year, the new playoff format got rid of the possibility of a game 163. So if Tampa Bay and Baltimore end the season tied for any playoff spot, the Rays will get the higher seed or, if it's in the wild card, the last playoff spot remaining, if they are tied for the third wild card. They entered Sunday 9-9 in the season series, so the result of that Drew Rasmussen masterpiece on the mound might become very, very important in the long run of the season, and maybe he becomes a Tampa Bay hero if they end up tied with the Orioles somehow. I mean, if you think about it, right now it's only a a one-and-a-half game difference between those two teams. If they end the season tied, that game will have decided who gets into the playoffs out of the Rays and the Orioles. I don't know if they're going to end up tied because, you know, how many times did we talk about the four-team tie scenarios and the three-team and the two-team tie scenarios last year, and then it ended up being that none of the teams ended up tied? Um, but, you know, it's still fun to think about that it might happen, and this one has a lot longer left on it, so, you know, I mean, it's still possible that the Orioles were just hot for a very long period of time, and then all of a sudden they kind of re- regressed down to what their roster kind of, what their roster makeup would think their would record would be, and then they're not so good for the rest of the season. 
or maybe Minnesota starts playing better or Chicago starts playing better and knocks both of those teams out of the race entirely. So you never know what could happen. Uh, but it is important for now to note that 10-9 advantage in the race favor. And also, when you're watching other teams playing against each other, like the Guardians taking 2-3 or three from Toronto, that also could play a role in the playoffs eventually. Okay, let's uh, move over to the National League, where we're also going to start in the Eastern Division. The New York Mets still in the lead in the NL East, just like the Yankees in the AL East. They are 75-40. and 40. Uh, They have a five-and-a-half game lead over the Braves. The Mets are 8-2 and two in their last 10. The Braves have won six in a row, but are 7-3 and three in their last 10 after the Mets had taken that series uh, last weekend. And funny enough, the Braves haven't lost anybody since playing the Mets. Now they're going to play them again. So we'll see if they can continue that hot streak against the team who's had their numbers so far this year. Uh, but the Phillies... Team of note, for sure, 63-51, and 51, 11 and a half games back. Definitely not catching up to this division after they lost that series to the Mets. Uh, but they are 7-3 and three in their last 10, despite losing the last two games of that series against the Mets. And they're in a pretty solid position in the wild card race. Uh, then you have the Marlins at 50-65. 50, 50 they are 25 games back. They've lost four in a row. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Then you have the Nationals at 38-78, and 78, 37 and a half games back, 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Obviously, that team's not doing anything now that they've traded away Juan Soto and Josh Bell. Uh, but something interesting to note here, as I mentioned before, the Mets are now 16-0 and in series against divisional opponents so far this season, and they will play the Braves for four games this week starting today, and then the Phillies for another four-game series, but this one from Friday to Sunday, uh, so supposed to be a three-game series, but ended up being a four-game series instead. Now... I said we would continue to talk about the managerial changes. This one is the one that by far actually worked. The Phillies with Joe Girardi, but which is before June 3rd, were 22-29, and 29, which is a 431 winning percentage. In case you're wondering how they would translate to now, if they kept that winning percentage the whole year, they would be behind the Marlins and more than 25 games back in this division. Uh, and obviously nowhere close to the wild card. Instead, they're 11 and a half games back, which, you know, still double-digit deficit, but they're in the wild card race. They are 41 and 22 since he was fired. That winning percentage is 651. The Mets season winning percentage is 652. So they have been just as good as the Mets whole season since Joe Girardi was fired. That is a sign that that managerial change worked for one reason or another, and really, I don't think you can blame injuries and guys coming back because most of this has actually been without Bryce Harper. He has been out for five or six weeks at this point, maybe even seven weeks at this point. He just started swinging a bat again, and, you know, he has been DHing all season for the most part, so he'll probably come back as a DH first while he's uh, still working through the end of his injury so that he can only he only has to hit. And then uh, maybe come playoff time, he might move back into right field so that Castellanos is the DH because you want to keep both their bats in the lineup. But Bryce Harper definitely has the better defensive capabilities uh, than him. Or even, Schor- or even putting Schwarber uh, at the DH and putting Castellanos in left field and Harper in right. Or even if you wanted to keep Castellanos in right field, you could put Harper in left field. Whatever you want to do, uh, you can do it. But look... I, that one just worked. I mean, it's pretty simple. That that managerial change has by far worked. It's the opposite of the Joe Madden firing with the Angels. It worked perfectly. Everything's been going to plan since then for the Phillies. The season they expected is the season they have gotten now since Joe Girardi was fired. And, uh, you know, maybe some people wanted him gone before the year started. And maybe if he was and they actually were able to keep this record the whole time, 
maybe it would really be the season the Phillies expected, which was contending to actually win this division, uh, because if they had, they'd probably actually have the same record as the Mets. Uh, but look, as I said, that one worked. Phillies playing well recently, probably playing the best out of any of the three teams that are, or the four major teams in the wildcard race um, in the NL. But for now, Mets still in the division lead. We'll see what happens in the series with the Braves this week. Okay, let's move over to the National League Central. Well, one of the teams I mentioned that was in the wildcard race are the Milwaukee Brewers, but they are one and a half games back of the St. Louis Cardinals after the Cardinals took two of three in the weekend series. The Cardinals are also seven and three in their last 10, 63 and 51. Uh, trade acquisition, Jordan Montgomery has played very, very well for the Cardinals, I believe. Well, he shut out the Yankees in his debut, and then I think he pitched uh, maybe six or seven innings of one-run ball against the Brewers this weekend. So he's been great for them, seemingly exactly what they need. Not quite sure how Jose Quintana has been. I haven't actually checked up on that yet. Uh, but I know Chris Stratton has also pitched some innings out of the bullpen. Uh, with some mixed results, but still good overall. And it looks like the Cardinals just have everything they need right now to win this division. I don't necessarily think that's enough to be a major player in terms of fighting for a World Series spot or winning the World Series as a whole. But uh, they definitely will be in the conversation, and they're definitely looking like they are worthy of winning this division, especially over the Brewers, who have been pretty bad recently, and you could argue got worse over the trade deadline. Uh, well, not you could argue. They did get worse uh, during the trade deadline. Obviously, losing Josh Hader was a big deal, and, uh, well, it continues to be a big deal. You know, Devin Williams has been good the whole year. He's been Actually, he's been great the whole year, and he's definitely good enough to be a closer. It's just that now, instead of having a ridiculous 1-2 combo, they basically have a bunch of... I mean, they have a bunch of pretty good guys in the bullpen, but they don't have two great guys anymore, although you could say that Hayter's had some questionable results this year and had a pretty bad week this week, honestly. Uh, but we'll get to Hayter in a second. But overall, this division, obviously, down to those two teams, but it really feels like the Cardinals are starting to pull away with this one uh, on their own. The Brewers looking toward the wild card, although they're one and a half games back in both the wild card and the division, so it's going to be just as easy to get one spot as the other, although I'll talk about why that might not be true later. Uh, but the rest of this division, you have the Cubs and the Reds, 47 and 66 and 45 and 68, respectively, the two participants in the Field of Dreams game this year that I was never even coming close to watch because I would rather watch the Orioles and the Red Sox, a sentence I didn't think I'd be saying probably last year, but at this point seems pretty reasonable. Uh, but the Cubs are 6-4 and four in their last 10. The Reds are 3-7. and seven. Neither of these teams are making the playoffs. They're 15.5 and 17.5 games back in the division. Then you have the Pirates, who choked a lead against the Giants on Sunday to get swept over the weekend. They have lost four in a row, 2-8 and eight in their last 10. They're 18.5 games back at 45-70. and 70. Okay, let's move over to the National League West. Just like in the AL East and the NL East, this one has had a consistent division leader pretty much all year long. The Dodgers at 79 and 34 now have the best record in MLB by five games over the Mets, five and a half games out of the Astros, and are now eight games out of the Yankees, who it seems like had the best record pretty much the whole year until about maybe two, three weeks ago. Um, they are nine and one in their last 10. I obviously mentioned that they had a 12 game winning streak until the Royals broke it up. Uh, they're playing Milwaukee this week, and they look to continue that streak and get back on the right track. Uh, you know, the Brewers are slumping at the moment, and then the Dodgers play the Marlins, and then actually they play the Brewers and the Marlins again. So the Brewers, the Marlins, the Brewers, the Marlins. Uh, a lot of NL Central uh, opponents for the Dodgers. We will see how those series go, uh, but it looks like 
the Dodgers definitely the better team in all of those series. And uh, despite a few tough pitching matchups probably in there between Corbin Burns, last year's Cy Young, and Sandy Alcantara, this year's Cy Young favorite, it looks like those will be good. That those will be maybe four good series for the Dodgers. Uh, they are also on pace for a franchise record 113 win season, which would break the record set by the 2019 team and also the 2021 team that somehow ended up second place in the division, despite getting a franchise record in wins with 106. Uh, so they would also be on pace to beat that record by seven wins. However, the bad news for the division leading Dodgers is that it was announced today that Walker Bueller. Uh, will undergo a season-ending elbow injury. He had about a four, pretty much a four ERA flat uh, in, I think, 12 starts this year. So he was not necessarily himself. He really hasn't been himself since late last year when the Dodgers were kind of picking up their uh, divisional, I guess, push to try to win the division and steal it from the Giants. And he was kind of pitching on less rest than normal. And then in the playoffs, definitely pitched on shorter rest than normal and really just hasn't been the same since. Uh, but he will go undergo elbow surgery. We'll see what happens there. Uh, and he'll definitely not be playing the season as they announced. However, the good news for the Dodgers is that they will get Dustin May back from an injury that has kept him out of the majors for 15 months. He's had, I think, three or four rehab starts, but he is also scheduled to start on Saturday against the Marlins in Miami. And the other acquisition that the Dodgers made that was not via, well, that's going to be via their own roster is Max Muncy. He is back to his form since August 1st. He leads MLB in OPS. He's second in home runs. He's first in hard hit rate, and he's first in WRC+. Plus. So, uh, yeah, pretty much every bounce says Max Muncy has been the best hitter this month. And it's not a small sample size. It's been 14 days. Uh, and only second in home runs, probably Aaron Judge. Who, you know, I mean, no one's beating him in anything related to home runs this year. Uh, and being second is pretty much being first this year. You gotta you gotta cross Judge's name off the list because you already know he's getting in first in anything related to home runs. Uh, but everything's going good for the Dodgers. And on the other hand, the Padres learned that they will be without Fernando Tatis for the rest of the season, who was suspended 80 games for PEDs. So the Padres won't be getting their dream lineup until at least multiple games into the 2023 regular season. The reason why I spent so much time talking about the Dodgers is because they have a 16-game lead over the Padres, which, yes, means that the Dodgers are farther ahead of the Padres, who are in second place, than the Cardinals are ahead of the 15-and-a-half game back third-place Chicago Cubs. Uh, you can keep doing this in other divisions, too, uh, especially with the Yankees, who are only fit. They're not even 16 games out of the Red Sox right now, and we talk about how bad the Red Sox have been all the time. The Guardians are closer to the Royals than the Dodgers are to the Padres. This is a fun exercise to keep doing, but I'm not going to keep doing it. Uh, the Mariners are closer to the Astros than the Padres are to the Dodgers, too. So, I mean, there's something there for Mariners fans to be happy about. Uh, but look, Padres sitting at 65-52. and 52, They are a lot closer to slipping out of the playoffs than people think they are, especially when you consider how much talk has been made about their lineup and how they could even be World Series contenders when, I mean— they got to make the playoffs before they get to get into the World Series, let alone win the World Series. So uh, they're going to do that work first. Uh, we'll see what happens. They're playing the Marlins this week. So we'll see what happens in that series. And then they're playing the Dodgers again in a few weeks. So they have some chances to prove themselves again. But they also almost dropped the series to the slumping Giants, who I guess can't be called slumping anymore now that they've won three in a row. They are still 22 and a half games back at the Dodgers at an even 57 and 57 500 record. Uh, but they've won three in a row, as I said, by sweeping the Pirates over the weekend. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10, and they're kind of getting back into the wildcard race. We'll talk about that later. 
Then you have the Diamondbacks, who are 53 and 61. They're 26 and a half games back, despite being 7 and 3 in their last 10. And the Rockies, who are 51 and 66, 30 games back. They've lost two in a row. They're 5 and 5 in their last 10. And their front office does not know what it's doing. <laughs> Is that news, or uh, that's just a general observation? Well, I mean, it's news and a general observation. And it's pretty obvious if you've been following, you know, trading Nolan Arenado away, trading everybody away for the last few years, and then proclaiming that they were the only team. I don't know if you knew this. I mentioned this on the podcast, but they also proclaimed that they were the only team to extend a player this trade deadline when the Braves extended Austin Riley. Um, And the Rockies only extended Daniel Bard, who's been an above average closer, but definitely not making as much of an impact as, uh, you know, Austin Riley is on the Braves. Um, And then also they were the only team to make make zero trades whatsoever the entire trade deadline. Somehow managed to be quieter than the Dodgers, who... I mean, everybody thought was the quietest team only acquiring really Joey Gallo, who, by the way, has also been actually pretty good since he's been on the Dodgers. And actually, if you went on his full year uh, repertoire, his the record of teams that he has played for when he starts the game is actually the best record in all of MLB and would be on pace to win 120 games this season between the games that he started with the Yankees and the games that he started with the Dodgers. So I don't know. Maybe he's the X factor. Although, the thing that starts to worry me is that the real X-Factor is Terrence Gore, who is the Patrick McCaw of the MLB. In case you don't know, Patrick McCaw won a bunch of titles with the Warriors and then was on the Raptors when they beat the Warriors right after. Um, and funny enough, Terrence Gore was on not only on the Royals way back when, but was also on the 2020 Dodgers and on the 2021 Braves as a pinch-running specialist. Um, he basically never played for either of those teams, but he's currently in the Mets minor league uh, system. So, you know, maybe he gets called up in the postseason to pinch run for the Mets. Maybe he is the true X factor of the league. Who knows? Well, I bet the Rockies won't be trading for him. Okay, let's move over to the wild card. Well, I mean, that would maybe help them win a title. But anyway, in the wild card, the Braves, speaking of the Braves, are six games up of the Phillies for the third wild card spot. They've won six in a row. They're seven and three in their last 10. They're 70 and 46 overall, as I already mentioned. Uh, by far the best run differential of any team in the wild card. By far the only team that I would go ahead and guarantee right now is making the playoffs out of any of these teams in the wild card. The San Diego Padres are only a half game up on the Phillies in this race now. They're 65 and 52. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the Phillies at 63 and 51, despite playing very well since Joe Girardi has been fired, um, they're still a half game back of the Padres for that second wild card spot. Although, I mean, at this point, I might rather play the Cardinals in the, on the road for three games than play the Braves on the road for three games. It's a tough decision, but the Braves actually have a better record than the Cardinals, and it's not really that close. Um, if they were in the same division, the Braves would actually be leading the Cardinals by six games right now. So the Braves are a better team than the Cardinals. I'd rather play the Cardinals than play the Braves. Maybe you want to be the, the third wild card spot this year. Uh, maybe that's what the Padres are going for and why they've slipped up since the trade deadline. Maybe they just think that they can flip a switch to make sure that they keep the third wild card spot, but don't go higher than that. Because I'd be afraid of playing Atlanta too if I was a wild card team. I don't think any of these teams are really a good matchup for them. Maybe the Phillies can out hit them, but I'd be very surprised. Then you have the Brewers, who are one and a half games back of the final spot for the playoffs, and the Giants, who are six games back. So my thoughts on this: the Brewers play the Dodgers, and their chances to make the playoffs are dwindling after their series loss to the Cardinals. They're one and a half games back, both in the division and the wild card race, in a similar way to the AL Central, how that's going on with the Twins and the White Sox, who are, I think, two and a half games back in the division and two games back in the wild card. 
However, don't look now, but the Giants have won three in a row, and if they continue, which is a very big if based on how they've been all season long, if they continue to play the way they played this week, they could catch up to the Brewers because the Brewers have that tough schedule and they have been playing actually worse than the Giants recently. Um, And they'd just be relying on one late season collapse by either of the two teams who never make the playoffs, that being the Padres and the Phillies, to possibly sneak into the back door of the playoffs to actually make a real series against the Cardinals because... Frankly, I'd rather see I'd rather see the Cardinals against the Giants because I'd actually think it would be a better matchup. I think the Padres might actually sweep the Cardinals if they played them in a playoff matchup. Um, but anyway, just mentioning that they are only six games back, and despite you know some struggles all year long, if they can figure it out, if they can get some guys healthy again, if they can really get some of the guys who they've been platooning to actually figure out who they should be platooning all all year, um, they might be able to turn this around. And by the way. I'm just saying, out of all teams, I know you're shaking your head because you've been down on this team all year, but out of all teams that you would rely on to do well or or make in regards to the word playoffs, I'm never going with the Padres or Phillies over the Giants, despite being a Dodgers fan. The Giants have three World Series in 10 years. The Padres have like two, have zero division titles in like the last 40. So I don't want to hear anything about the Padres making it over the Giants. I mean, when they only made the playoffs when they expanded the format in 2020, and they haven't made it since like 2010 otherwise. So, I mean, look, the Giants have a much better record as a franchise of getting there. Obviously, the teams are now way, 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 way different. But there is some chance that if these teams, I mean, there are still Braves fans who are saying that the Mets are going to quote-unquote met, and they're just going to randomly blow up and lose the division again. I think it's just as likely that the Padres and the Phillies are just going to Padre and Philly and just walk their way right out of the playoff race. I mean, it's pretty much just as likely. You're just relying on the the weirdest blow-up of a team ever. And I really think the Padres are not deep at all. They already lost Tatis. They're kind of one injury to anybody else away from really having a pretty subpar lineup, actually. And then their pitching is, uh, well... Their pitching is a different situation. I never touched on the fact that Josh Hader gave up three runs earlier this week despite giving up like one hit in a whole inning to, of all teams, the Giants. Yeah, well, don't don't say break up the Giants yet because they, they won three in a row over the Pirates at home, okay? so you know, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs <laughs> or that you need to break them up, but I am yeah, saying... A little momentum because they got the Pirates at home. Well, guess and, what? They're playing the Diamondbacks now, so I mean, right, considering... Look, I think the Padres, I think it's probably already over by now, but I'm going to take a wild guess and say that the Padres lost with Sandy Alcantara on the mound. So then I'm going to say that the Giants will probably sweep the Diamondbacks considering that they were losing to them the last time they played them and they want some revenge. And all of a sudden, you could look later this week and this could be a three-game difference with the Padres in the third spot, the Giants in the fourth spot because the Brewers got swept by the Dodgers, and then the Phillies could be holding the stronghold on the second spot. So... Very easily, this could all turn in a second. And I'm not here to defend the Padres, but I do like, uh, I'll do a little technical correction. Um, it hasn't been 40 years. The Padres... Uh, it feels the, like it's been 40 the Padres, years. The Padres made the World Series in 1984, so it was 38 years. Okay. I mean, um, that is that, 40 to with me. With that, we will wrap up our look at Major League Baseball, and we will wrap up this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Friday, August 19th, where we will have a special edition. We will have our annual college football season preview show that's friday august 19th in the meantime please be sure to check out patrick's additional content including his major league baseball power rankings that will be updated tomorrow his annual spreadsheet predicting every single college football game for the 2022 regular season will be posted on the website on wednesday 
and his picks next weekend, which will be the last weekend of Major League Baseball series picks only as the college football season will be kicking off the, uh, on Saturday, August 27th. So uh, Patrick will be having weekend predictions that will include something besides baseball starting after this week. So his final Major League Baseball only predictions for the year. Will be and then two weeks later, it's three three different leagues because the NFL will be back. Fantastic. So the, the get a little more diversity in our weekend picks after uh, next weekend's picks, which is which will be posted Thursday on our website, along with all that other content, 4thand24.com. That's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.